Oh, I don't think we invented the black pilsner, but I think we perfected it. Let's go. No life till Welcome to No Life Till Lager, a show about lager beer, the brewers that make it, and we who drink it. This is a conversation between two people over one pint. My name is Adam Zuniga. I'm an advanced Cicerone. I'm part of the creative team behind the Six Most Metal Breweries and Beer Like and Das movie. Today, my guest is Tony Bellis, co-founder, co-owner, brew commander at Kings County Brewers Collective. That is in Bushwick, in Brooklyn, in New York City. Cheers and welcome, Tony. Thank you, sir. Good to, good to see you. Good to talk to you. Thank you for joining the No Life Till Lager podcast and the sixth episode of our podcast, No Less. And there are no accidents because you and the beer in my hand, Morbid Hour Black Pilsner, are, of course, the star of another one of our projects, the pilot episode of the Six Most Metal Breweries. Yeah. I am drinking Morbid Hour, a Black Pilsner at 4.666% ABV. And I'll say again, here is to new projects with old friends. Tony, what beer do you have in your hand? I am drinking uh, Welcome to the Underworld. This is a uh, Hellas lager that we make here at KCBC. Uh, freshest lager in our, uh, in our repertoire. So uh, just, you know, easy drinking, 4.5% um, Hellas lager. Excellent. Well, here's to Hellas. Thank you again. And let's get right into it. For those of us who know you and for those of us who don't, who is Tony Bellis? Who are you? I am Tony Bellis. Uh, one of the co-founders here at KCBC. Um, I'm a beer lover. I'm a music lover. I'm, a, you know, I'm into heavy metal and hip hop and all things uh, awesome guitar solos. And... Um, <laughs> and I like to eat and drink. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've been, uh, been working, working in the beer for, uh, about a decade now, which is kind of crazy. Um, and, uh, kind of came to it through working in the food and beverage world and just, uh, you know, I love eating things. I love drinking things <laughs> and, uh, just kind of gravitated, gravitated towards craft beer. Yes, sir. And tell us a little bit more just about you, life outside the brewery, outside of beer, before we get deeper into KCBC. We know each other a little bit, so you know, you know my passion for uh, all things, um, all things loud and distorted and, and insane. Um, so you know, love love music. Spent a lot of time, you know, listening to music, listening to bands, going seeing live shows. Um, you know, one of the reasons I moved to New York City was strictly because of music. I'd, I'd come here in my mid twenties and, and I was like, I need to go to that spot. You know, I was, you know, a, you know, a kid that, you know, in elementary school got into heavy metal and hip hop at the exact same time. And I was like, I need to, I need to go to the land of public enemy and anthrax. And, yes, uh, <laughs> absolutely food and beer, you know, I live in New York city. So, we do a lot of uh, checking out new restaurants, seeing what's up in the food scene. Um, you know, we sell, you know, KCBC's, you know, in some of the most amazing restaurants in New York City. So, we just, you yeah. know, spend a lot of time eating and drinking through New York City. Yeah. Well, yeah. 
your home was my home for the most formative years of my life. And I, I still consider yeah. New York City home in so many ways, more than one. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I will tell you, Morbid Hour is still the best. It's still taking, t- still tasting better than ever. I, I think in our darkest hour every year, we wonder, will it appear again? Will you continue to brew Morbid Hour? And there it is. So we're thankful to you for continuing to brew Morbid Hour year over year. Keep the dark spirit alive, my friend. We keep doing it, you know. That was that was a cool project, and that was a cool beer. You know, the recipe actually came from a, a, a home brewer in New York State that actually won uh, Best in Show for um, New York City Home Brewers Killed um, competition back back around that time, and uh, he won he won first place for a Schwartz beer. And we we're like, uh, hey, funny enough, uh, we want to we want to brew brew a black lager, so we uh, you know kind of pulled that guy into that so it's a pretty pretty cool thing that we get to you know continue on that legacy of uh home brewing and transitioning into you know pro brewing it's cool that kcbc continues to support the homebrew community in that way tell us who is king's county brewers collective uh well king's, king's county brewers collective uh started back in like 2014 um i'd moved back to new york city um, uh, I lived in the Bay area for a couple of years, uh, in between my stints in New York, kind of came up with this idea that, you know, um, wanted to start, a, wanted to start a brewery and saw a lot of nano breweries starting to pop up around the U S and after living in the Bay area and kind of seeing like the co-op culture out there and different businesses, you know, operating under a co-op model, thought it'd be cool to like. Hey, let's start a brewery that's you know co-op model and bring bring different brewers in and work on this collaboratively because it's just a beast of a undertaking <laughs> you know to open a brewery on your own. Um, so I, you know I met I met some people through the local homebrew scene that also you know I learned also were looking to open breweries and started kind of talking about this idea and uh, met a few a few different people. Um, you know the, the the original idea was. It was going to be like five different, uh, five different brewers, you know, and kind of treat it as this like proof of concept, like let's go in and brew small batches. And once you're ready to go start a big brewery, go do it on your own. Well, you know, we, we got into actually making a business plan and realized that that didn't make sense to us, uh, at least at the time, um, you know, it kind of needed like one big funding source and none of us actually had that. And, um, and kind of, you know, through, through working on a business plan, I just realized that like, uh, this should be bigger and we want to make it bigger. Um, and so that kind of was, you know, the, the foundation for, well, let's, let's find some like-minded people and work on this together. And so me and my two founding partners that started the brewery, you know, launched Kings County Brewers Collective in uh, 2016 with the idea that, you know, the focus was really to like highlight each of our brewing styles and abilities and desires individually and, and not, you know, just focus on, you know, what is, you know, a lot of, a lot of breweries, you know, kind of fall onto as like a house style or something. So that was, that was really the, you know, original, original idea around it. Now, you know, we're six and a half years in, uh, we've, we've, we've morphed and we've really, uh, you know, kind of come into our own and realized that like, you know, what we what we really do and what really works great and what we like doing best is you know 
you know, do the best of the best, you know, whatever, whatever we've done that we, that we think was executed the, you know, to the highest level, let's keep doing that. Um, you know, yeah. so kind of as years gone on, we just, you know, we're, we're just perfecting the machine and it's always about what's the best idea. What's the best, you know, um, way to make the, you know, beer that we're trying to do and, um, working together as a team. So now, um, you know, we, uh, you know, um, we have a whole new generation of people <laughs> working here and, uh, you know, um, my, my business partner, Zach and our head brewer, Bobby really do a lot of the, you know, recipe, uh, recipe creation and focusing on that along with the brewing team. And, um, you know, we just, we get a lot of input all across the board and in, in the brewery and it's really, you know, it's taking us that next level. So, you know, I would say Kings County Brewers Collective, you know, started with these three people and now we're this, you know, 30 headed monster, um, that's just trying to take over New York city and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, a little more of the East coast if we can. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's to Zach and Bobby, know them well. Here's to a very happy six, six and a half years, and here's to six and a half more to come. Um, let, me take a step, let me take a step back for one moment and maybe tell us how you originally got into both beer and brewing, because you mentioned you among, you among all your founding partners at KCBC uh, had different styles, different influences, different inspirations that you brought together. How did that all start for you? How did you get into beer? How did you get into brewing? Yeah, I think I originally got into beer just uh, you know, drinking beer in college. <laughs> you know, start off with, you know, drinking light lagers. And uh, there, was, there was a lot of bush light uh, consumed <laughs> in, my, in my early college years. But then, you yeah. know, I started, I started dabbling into, you know, drinking import beers and, you know, getting, you know, it was, it was getting things like, Heineken and it was getting things like Newcastle and realizing like, Oh, there's, you know, there's different flavors out there and stuff. And I think, um, living in Minneapolis in the, the mid nineties, um, you know, and that's when breweries started opening, craft breweries started opening, you know, and it was, it was historically a big beer town. And all of a sudden there were smaller breweries opening like James page and summit and people, you know, starting to make craft beer that was, insanely different you know i remember you know drinking uh james page uh what was it uh it was uh they, they did a pale ale with uh wild rice you know being from the midwest you know minnesota and wisconsin wild rice this big thing you know really yeah. cool beer and like hopped really heavily so you know i just uh and then I was working in coffee at the time and i was you know i was just working as a barista at starbucks coffee in college and um and I'd been there like two weeks and all of a sudden they dropped like eight cases of beer at the front door. And we were like, what's up with this? And, and Starbucks had done this collaboration with Red Hook Brewery in Washington. And it was like uh, a coffee stout. And I'd never had anything like that in my life. And I remember nobody wanted it. Like nobody drank craft beer. Nobody wanted this dark beer with with coffee in it. So I took it all home. I took like seven cases back to my apartment and, you know, like good, good college kids on a budget. Um, we we're going to consume that hell or high water, you know? Yeah. And I think I, and I think working through those, those seven cases, that beer was the conversion process, <laughs> you know, by the, you know, at the beginning wasn't totally sold on it. And by the end, I was like all in, 
And uh, oh, I see. So I think seven cases a, of stout will do that. Well, I mean, I did drink them all myself, but uh, you know, <laughs> sure. shared them with some roommates. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that just kind of started, you know, going, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, out watching bands, and there was a, you know, started, you know. You'd splurge once in a while and drink an expensive beer and then drink cheap beer the rest of the night. And I kind of just like worked up to, you know, more and more just being like, I can't, I can't drink Budweiser at the club. I'm going to drink a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale or I'm going to drink a, you know, Brooklyn Lager once I moved to New York City, you know. So yeah. um, beer, beer and music go hand in hand with me. I mean, my exploration into craft beer was, was 100% through music. It was just out watching bands and drinking beer um yeah so and then that turned into a hobby um that turned into you know getting into home brewing uh homebrew for the first time with a friend while living in san francisco and i was still just like you know full into coffee like i was i was gonna i was gonna go start a small coffee roasting company that was my plan like i knew i wanted to open a business and it was like i had my head down my wife and i wanted to go open this coffee roasting company and um, uh, moved back to New York city. And, um, at that same time, just fully got into home brewing. I was just like brewing all the time and, um, uh, yeah, and started seeing some breweries and, you know, great local brewery here, uh, barrier brewing, uh, had opened and, uh, they were the first thing that I saw that, you know, really made it seem like I could do it. They were, you know, one barrel nano brewery. And they were just pounding out beer one barrel at a time, and it was crazy. But I was like, "Oh, there's another way to do this. It's not. It's not Brooklyn Brewery. You know, we went to Brook. We used to go to Brooklyn Brewery all the time. That place is a beast. You know, and it, I, I never, I never thought that that was. You know, I never looked at that and thought, "Oh, I should open a place like this." <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, completely shifted my mindset, and I was like, "Oh, uh, I think I think we should try to." open a brewery. So went to brewing school, started working in a local brewery here in New York city and cleaning kegs and kind of worked my way up while working on a business plan for KCBC and, uh, meeting my business partners. So, yeah, well, so much agreed that beer and music go hand in hand. 100%. I didn't know you had, I didn't know you had coffee in your background and it kind of makes sense now tasting more of it hour because of course from the roasted grain it has some pronounced yeah, coffee notes 100 percent. like everyone we've spoken to at this point the journey comes from um, those first experiences with craft beer or with imports uh to home brewing to cleaning kegs and then <laughs> ultimately going pro uh getting out of the garage and performing in front of an audience and uh sharing your art with the world man so that is that is super cool what it's all about <laughs> yeah yeah and when we talk about kcbc um with the various kind of personalities within it tell us a little bit more about what makes king's county brewers collective different how is it different in a market of 9500 breweries um how is it different in new york city which has such a strong and unique local concentration of craft breweries now what makes kcbc different I mean, I think what really makes us different is, you know, and is is our focus on brewing a wide variety of styles, you know. And I know and I, that might that might sound like, well, what's different about that? But I think, um, you know, from day one, 
you know, we went, we went pretty, pretty diverse in our lineup, you know, and I think a lot of breweries get a little more focused, you know, and, and that was really to like highlight and try to have something for everybody and not, not just be an IPA brewery or not just be, you know, a, a lager brewery or whatever. It's really just, you know, digging in and trying to, you know, make our space and our brand, you know, feel like something that there's, there's something for everybody. There was, there was definitely like, we wanted there to be a visual element to it, not just from the beer, but you know, what the brand looks like, you know, through its art, its packaging art. Um, that was really big for us. And I think when we first started, um, me and my partners, like all of us, you know, you know, had a very, you know, uh, visual aesthetic, um, you know, um, we're into music, into advertising, into, you know, different things. And, um, you know, so from day one, um, as soon as we decided we were going to start canning beer, um, we found an artist that, um, we loved his art style, talked with him about it, um, about you know, designing labels for us and uh, brought him on as a full-time member of the team and just to just to create art for our labels. It's become a really big part of who we are. Every beer is not just about the beer style, but then immediately it's like, okay, what's the name and what's the artwork? And and often uh, the, the beers actually get created sort of in a reverse process. You're like, oh my God, I've got a great name. Okay, what's the, you know, what's the art behind that? And then third might be, okay, what kind of beer is it going to be? <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so I think that is, you know, something that kind of makes us different. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an art project as much as it's a beer project sometimes. Yeah. So much agreed. I, I, I think one of the things I've always loved and appreciated most about KCBC, the brewery, the beer, and I love it that you don't shy away from using the term brand. Sometimes craft breweries think it's not cool to talk about your brand, but KCBC has created a brand that's big enough. So it encompasses multiple different things. Like you said, something for everyone. Like we're yeah. used to walking in there. There is uh, something for everyone on the board, something for everyone on the tap list at any given moment. You know, be it a hazy IPA that still has some spine and some structure and some backbone, be it a lager, be it a porter or stout, be it a sour. And the beers themselves, the labels themselves, you know, it can be influenced by heavy metal. It can be influenced by hip hop. It can be influenced by kind of a graphic uh, novel fairy tale fantasy element that just takes you somewhere else completely. I've always yeah. appreciated just how big, how creative, how imaginative KCBC is in that respect. Thanks. Appreciate that. I mean, that's what we're, you know, it's what we're going for. I, I think there's like, there's, there's no influence that's off the table. <laughs> you know, and sometimes that yeah. makes it seem kind of chaotic. I have bottles sitting on my desk right now with skulls on them. And there's also a Indiana Jones parody beer called Indiana Bones with, you know, do <laughs> dogs on it, you know riding in an Indiana Jones Jeep, you know? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that lets everybody kind of get their personality into it, you know? And I think that's, that, that, that is a big part of it. You know, you want everybody to feel like they, they have their hand in it, you know, everybody who's working here and everybody who's on the team, you know? Um, and it makes it so much fun. You know, <laughs> we sit there sometimes just like, we, we might be working on something that's funny and you're know, just like, you're throwing name ideas around. It's, Know, hilarious or you're working on some like really dark beer and you're like oh my god that's like you know 
that name that that name's too dark um people are gonna think we're insane you know so ah. um, you know but um yeah you know uh, i think it's you know a little little bit of everything and it's uh make it fun you know that's that's yeah i think probably one of our primary things we try to do well thank you for keeping it fun thank you for not shying away from the dark side and we know you're not strictly a lager brewery keeping up this theme of something for everyone but i feel like you always have a lager on the board um, always. always have multiple multiple lagers on tap and originally uh -huh. i remember it seemed to be janiac maniac yeah more often than not but you've continued to grow that portfolio to the point that you even have the month of may if i'm not mistaken dedicated as lager month now lager appreciation month <laughs> lager <laughs> appreciation right. month with a shotgun every single day of a lager beer by the kcbc team is that correct every single day <laughs> <laughs> Mo might seem excessive but it's not even close <laughs> no not even close um, yeah. and something worth celebrating so let's talk more about loggers tell us what your approach to loggering is in the brew house you know we've we've been brewing lager since day one our you know our third beer uh that you mentioned janiac maniac um it was a tribute to our landlord gary janiac uh who grew up in the neighborhood here and uh when we were looking at the building before we signed the lease, he told us the story. He's like, oh yeah, the kids used to call me Janiac Maniac. And uh, we we're like, oh, that's a great beer name. We should make that. So that was the first lager we ever made. Um, and um, I think, yeah, from day one, we wanted to make lager. And that wasn't necessarily um, cool in 2016 when we were opening. Um, you know, 2016 was like IPA is in full effect, <laughs> you know, um, but I think, I think we, you know, I know we all, you know, all three of us really liked lager. I really kind of, re, you know, fell in love with lager at the first brewery I was working at. We brewed a lot of lager. Um, I was brewing Kelso lager and Kelso nut brown lager. And, you know, just fell in love with having shift beers, drinking that beer fresh and unfiltered off the tank. Um, so I think our approach is just make, you know, uh, easy drinking, you know, um, and we kind of, you know, throughout the years, we've really morphed. Um, you know, we have a pretty simple brew house. that's um, really, um, you know, it's really built for pretty simple single infusion beers. It's great for making lagers. Um, you know, I think our first couple of years, you know, everything was, you know, single infusion mash, um, you know, really, really focusing on just dialing in mash temp, dialing in, you know, um, hopping rates and, you know, figuring out what hops we liked and different yeast strains. And, um, I mean, we've, we've experimented with so much different stuff and that was, you know, that's always kind of been part of our whole ethos is experiment, try different things. Don't, don't just stick with one yeast that you're using for everything, you know? Um, so I just, you know, easy and approachable, um, uh, you know, as time's gone on, we started adding other techniques, you know, now every, everything we do, we do, you know, a, a step mash with loggers, um, just feel like it builds, um, you know, some more rounded mouthfeel and uh, better head retention and uh, fermentation just ends up being more consistent. Started to kind of Frankenstein our, our brew house nurse or trying to dip our toes into doing uh, decoction in our brew house that's not built for it you know, to do it amazingly, but, you know, kind of figure out some Frankensteining tricks around it. Just always trying to perfect, 
you know? Um, and so, you know, I think we brew a combination of, you know, trying, trying to approach some classic styles in a pretty authentic manner. Um, and then sometimes, uh, you know, we're more focused on a hop that we want to try and it's not necessarily like trying to recreate a classic, uh, you know, European lager style. It's, Oh, Hey, there's a hop that we want to really focus on maybe an American hop or something. Um, you know, and, you know, we're also, you know, we brew a lot of IPA. We love hops. I love hops. <laughs> you know, we probably, you know, we, we probably always sway a little, a little towards the, the hoppier side on our lagers. Um, you know, a bit of, a bit if we entered most of our lagers into the category that we say they are, uh, judges would probably be like, uh, high on the IBUs, <laughs> you know, but that's, uh-huh. kind of, uh, that's, that's kind of our thing, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, all good things. And I guess to go back for just a moment, we've, we've talked about decoction mashing on the show before, but when you talk about a single infusion mash or a multi-step mash, you're just talking about basically mashing in, steeping the grain at one temperature versus multiple temperatures. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. No. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, you know, modern malts, uh, you know, you know, just like decoction, you know, this, this, this is causing great debate amongst brewers and whether you need to do these things anymore. You know, it's We've heard 20, it. it's 2023 and, you know, the, the, the malts and the malting process are, are amazing and, and highly scientific. And the malt you receive is just amazing for getting extract you want, the fermentation you want. Um, but I think, you know. You know, some of these classic techniques, the brewers, you know, you know, they, they came from brewers needing to do them out of necessity <laughs> you know, yeah. at one point. Um, but they do also add different results and, and, you know, give you, you know, give you slight nuances or sometimes big nuances in beers, you know. So, again, with our kind of, you know, always, always striving to try something new and like the beer's never done. <laughs> you know, a, yeah. a, a recipe is never done and it's never perfected. Um, you know, we're always trying to like, okay, what can we do next? What's the next thing to try? Did it make a difference? Did it not? You know, so yeah. 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 No, perfection, perfection is worth striving for much more important than achieving it. Just striving for it. hundred percent. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. And when I hear all this about whether it's decoction or like just multi-step mashing it just makes me realize how laborious beer making is even by modern day standards but when you think about hundreds of years ago just the process that brewers had to go through to extract what they wanted to make the beer they wanted to make it's incredible it's a testament to the human spirit i think oh it's insane you know i mean part you know part of part of that like multi you know step mash or decoction was was you know part you know part of it is you you needed to to get the you know, get beers to ferment properly, but it was also just a technique to get the temperature up, you know, the, of the mash, you know, and, and yeah. so it's crazy. I mean, you think about it now, it's like, you know, you read, you know, kind of historical brewing literature and you're just like, oh my, what, what, what the early brewers discovered and where it's come, you know, it's, it, it's amazing, you know, it's really yeah. amazing. So, yeah. So all these beers, well, we know you're a family man, Tony Bellis. And let's say if all these beers are your, if all these beers are your misfit children with various personalities, do you have a favorite? Is there a favorite style to brew? Is there a favorite style of lager to drink? I love Pilsners. You know, I like, I like things on the hoppier side. Um, um, We finally, 
um, launched a year-round Pilsner. Actually, it looked, uh, Infinite Machine. Uh, this is our year-round Ooh. Pils. Um, nice. Uh, this is uh, like this beer we launched this summer. Saz, Saphir, Steering Golding Hops. Um, pretty classic, uh, pretty hoppy pills, <laughs> you know. Um, like it goes, you know, kind of going in the style of like, you know, Pivo pills and Victory Prima pills, you know. We like those, yeah. you know, more kind of contemporary, you know, hopped on the higher end. Uh, you know, Pilsner is just crisp and got that got that bite and that floral aroma to it you know that's that's my jam so uh i vote for i vote for that <laughs> all day every day pilsner man all power to pilsner and you do realize trying pilsner side by side with something like a hellas you know it is a hoppy beer it has always been defined yeah. in part by the hops it is hoppy by comparison so we're trying not to shy away from hops uh in yeah. no life still lager but it's great that pilsner really showcases them in their finest form especially noble hops all the varieties you just mentioned like saws or noble inspired hops you realize that pilsner is a really hoppy beer in and of itself yeah it really is yeah. i mean I'm, I'm you know drinking this hellas lager next to it and the, the hellas is really soft next to it you know mm -hmm. and uh mm -hmm. yeah no pilsner is so um it's I, I think it's part of the I think it's probably part of the reason why it's it's becoming like the dominant lager uh, for craft breweries. I mean, it makes yeah. it's kind of logical extension from everybody loving hops through IPAs, and you're like, okay, well, cool. It's uh, you know, let's let's get back to some of these classic classic styles like pills. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, full circle. Yeah. Let's take a moment to talk about why lager matters, not just to you personally, but to KCBC as a business. Why does lager matter? Why do you vote the time and resources to make it? Why are we talking about it here and now? Um, wow, why does lager matter? Uh, lager matters because you can just, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like lager's social, you know? Um, I think it's something, you know, I, I think when we started, we wanted to do it, even though, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily what was super cool with, you know, other breweries opening at the same time as us. You know, I think like the eighties, you know, craft breweries had their, their kind of heyday with lager, you know, mid nineties and stuff. And then, you know, as we were opening, I mean, it was all about IPA, 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 you know, it was, was chasing Pliny, <laughs> you know, it was chasing like, Pliny. You know, it was chasing Pliny, it was chasing stone, you know, we were in, we were in the, the IBU arms race and then we were opening at the time of the, the Hayes race, you know? Um, yeah. and so, um, I think it's just, I, I think it's really social. I think, you know, I, I personally think about it as the thing I grew up with. It was just like, you know, if you're around like, there's there's this you know lager smells like beer <laughs> no that sounds stupid but it's like it's it's that very sensory thing of like oh we're outside at a barbecue or you know you know something like that you know um and i think it's just very communal and you know i mean i'm i'm drinking in a half liter mug um there you know it's 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 easy enough drinking that you can you can do that and i think it's just really kind of you know communal and 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 social so um and i think that it matters because i think it's you know uh it, it, as much as there's like um you know 
there's so many different brewing techniques and they're all awesome in their own way. Um, you know, and I know, you know, everybody says it about lager, but it's true. There's, there's nowhere to hide, you know, it's, it's either excellent or it's something you don't want to drink. <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it's gotta have the right hop profile and it has to be clean and crisp or have the right roasted notes to it. If you're talking about a dark lager, if you compare it to something like IPA, not that you can like hide things, but you know, hops, uh, you know, you throw a lot of hops in something and you can, you can make up for a few mistakes. Um, not all of them, but, um, so yeah. yeah, I think it's, a it's a tradition that just, you know, should keep going. And even though craft beer, you know, sort of, sort of started as the, you know, I would, I would say the, the counter movement to mass market lager, um, you know, there's a reason that like, even, you know, the early craft brewers, you know, were still making lagers, you know, and, um, you know, better ingredients, better, you know, um, you know, better packaging and just, you know, focus on that, you know, attention to detail, you know, and that's, that's what we try to do. Very, very well said. You know, we've heard lager referred to as, um, as a brewer's beer. We've heard lager referred to as beer flavored beer. And maybe even <laughs> most importantly, maybe even most importantly, like you just said, again, you know, it is a vehicle for community. It is a vehicle for conversation, not necessarily the focus of any given community, any given conversation, but the impetus for it, what's happening around it. Um, you know, you, you mentioned craft beer kind of coming full circle, investing in lager beer again. I want to press you on this a little deeper because we're friends, because yeah. we go way back at this point, <laughs> Tony Bellis. How do you feel about the current state of craft beer? Just just the industry as a whole, because it's it's kind of having a crisis. Craft beer is in crisis. You know, we've seen across the board, sales seem to be down. The cost mm -hmm. of ingredients and production are going up. Um, but it's not just that, you know, I think breweries are scrambling to figure out what younger generations, what Gen Z, what the 21 ish drinker wants. And the answer might not be their first beer. And I think that scares brewers. And we yeah. also talked to Marcus Baskerville at Weathered Souls previously. Yeah. And, you know, he, he brought up the fact that craft beer has never fully connected with uh, black or brown consumers or consumers that might be considered underrepresented or minorities. So just what do you think about the current state of craft beer and where do you see it going? How did we get here and where are we going next? Whoa, the big questions. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, uh, to start with, I think, we, I think we got here because we have, um, you know, we have a community full of passionate people that want to, you know, put their, their, put their foot in the ring. And um, I think it's, honestly, I think it's, I think it's a huge testament to like, I mean, it sounds corny, but you know, it's the, it's the, it's the, the, the dream of entrepreneurship and creativity. And it's just another art form, you know, yeah. I mean, that's how yeah. I, you know, I always, I always think about it. It's like, I didn't have enough dedication to becoming a good musician that, you know, uh, you know, looking at the people I admire, um, uh, this connected with me a lot, you know, and wanted to dedicate to it. So, you know, I think we got here through people wanting to like be part of something and, you know, kind of, you know, take, take their career in their own hands. And I, you know, for me, that was huge. And my, 
partners in KCBC and everybody that works for us, almost everybody, it's a career change for them. Um, you know, I think, I think where we go from here, um, I'd, I'd start with that whole thing. It shouldn't be a career change and it shouldn't be an industry of, you know, I would say it's like, you know, elitism and privilege, you know, I mean, I, you know, start doing this in my mid thirties as kind of a, you know, big career change. And I'd save some money and I had a good career going and did that. But I, I think like the first step to like making it more inclusive is to, um, get people into it young, you know, um, it's a very apprentice trade. Um, and I went to brewing school and I learned a lot. I'd suggest that to anybody that wants to get into this and really know it, but it's not necessary. If you find a good mentor and you find somebody to apprentice under and, and teach you. Um, I mean, I learned more from people I worked with after I got out of brewing school than, than from brewing school. Um, so it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessary. And I think, you know, kind of, as, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion in this country just about like higher education and, you know, do you need a four-year degree? Do you need a advanced degree? You know, and I personally start going back and thinking, you know, you know, I have a degree in economics. I didn't need a degree in economics to do this. Uh, many times it's helpful, but yeah, it wasn't necessary. So I think, I think getting people into it younger, I think focusing on it as like a, a craft and a trade you can get into at a young age, I think that'll, I think that'll help draw people, you know, in, you know, that aren't just white men with white beards like myself and, and, you know, get, you know, wide variety of, you know, people working in craft beer that looks more like this country and looks more like the world, you know? Um, and, uh, so I kind of feel like that, that's the big thing. Everybody, everybody needs to, you know, this industry is going to survive. Everybody's got to give somebody a shot that, you know, doesn't have experience and help mentor them, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, you know, and, and yeah, a lot of people are going to, you know, their, their first, you know, first thing isn't going to be a beer now, but I think, you know, just listening to what people want to drink and what kind of, um, you know, social occasions they want to have beer with and, and what's the environment they want to drink it in. It's like any other industry, you, you need to listen to customers. It doesn't mean that if you want to brew lager and you think the customers want to buy hard seltzer, it doesn't mean you need to pivot and go make hard seltzer. Um, but what are you going to do? What are you going to do to talk to that person that the only thing they've ever had is hard seltzer or, you know, you know, domestic, you know, light lager or something like that. So I think, you know, um, just got to keep working to like make, make it a, you know, a place that feels comfortable and open, which I think the, you know, the beer industry has done a, um, a, a good job of, and, and I think we just need to work to make, do an excellent job of it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, or else people we're going to struggle. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's, it, 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 the, the last 18 months, especially have become very hard to make this profitable at certain scales. And so people yeah. got to get really good at, um, you know, um, trying to, you know, maximize whatever they're doing. There's so much to take from that. I, I guess to start, I, well, to your credit, to KCBC's credit, you very much sound like a functioning democracy 
It sounds like everyone <laughs> is in it together. Everyone has the potential to bring their ideas to life. That's extremely important. And everyone should know that from the outside looking into the craft beer industry. Um, yeah. It has been under a lot of scrutiny in recent months, recent years. When we set out to make the six most metal breweries, beyond that, when I started working in craft beer, I think just seven, eight years ago, it seemed like boundless optimism, yeah. boundless opportunity, still a lot of positive forward momentum. And then when you kind of look up and look around in the last couple of years, you, you have to acknowledge that that has changed, that has shifted, which you just did. So, so I do think it is important to emphasize craft beer, the beer industry, it is one of these last bastions of like American entrepreneurship, not just American, but being an being an entrepreneur, starting a small business, um, having the capacity and the potential to do that is very important. And yes, admittedly, like like you said, white dudes and white beards. I mean, I will say in my experience, nine times out of 10, even though it is a white dude, <laughs> maybe with a white beard, it's typically a very good kind of dude. And I guess anyone who feels maybe just has any questions about just kind of walking into a tap room and checking out your local craft brewery, I would say just go for it and see what, see what happens. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised because I found a home in craft beer where I didn't think I could necessarily find a home anywhere else otherwise or a job anywhere else otherwise. And that's, that's yeah. what it means to me. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And there's a lot of responsibility around it, you know, and I think, I think, you know, that's the other piece of, you know, what's next in this industry is like, everybody has to become, you know, really good business owners and really good stewards of what you're doing. You know, like you gotta yeah. really treat it as, you know, you gotta treat it with a lot of responsibility, you know, and, you know, and, and like any, you know, we're not the only industry that, you know, this happens, but, you know, people start businesses because they're passionate about something and, and they don't necessarily always have all the tools uh, and they don't necessarily know how to, you know, do some of the, you know, I would call the, you know, the nitty gritty running of the business, you know, what are your HR practices? What are your hiring practices? Like, how are you, Yeah. you know? Um, and I think people really need to put the time into that. It, 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 it takes a lot of work. And of course, it's not the thing that, you know, mo you know, most, most people get into craft beer because they like beer, but you know, even me, I'm like, you know, my primary role in this business now is not making beer every day. And a lot of that is because it, it, it needs a lot of other things to make it, make it happen and make sure, you know, it's a good place to work, you know, on, of course. on top of being, on top of being a cool place to work. So, you know, I think, I think yeah. the industry just needs to mature. And I think, I think people, people are going to have to put a lot of work into it, you know, a lot of competition yeah. and there's, you know, you know, when we, when we started in 2016, you know, I think there was 3,000 some odd breweries. Now we're just shy of 10,000 in the U.S. Yeah, in just under seven years, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. man, there's there's no there's no room for, um, you know, it's it's going to be hard to be mediocre and make it into this in, into the next decade of craft beer. So, challenge everybody. Step, you know, um, it's you know, it's uh, we 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 got a lot to do. Well, challenge everyone. The absolute Challenge. last thing I will, the last thing I will say on this is I am here to confirm. Yes, you do not need a four-year degree. Full stop. No. <laughs> a four-year traditional like liberal arts college degree. Yeah. Uh, you're right to approach something like craft beer like a trade, uh, like a skill, like 
and to encourage those trades and those skills uh, among people that are just trying to figure out, again, where to go and what to do with their lives. So here is to something for everyone in the craft beer industry. 100%. I want to talk about food a little bit just because you know, at yeah. the very top of this, you mentioned you know New York City. It's not just one of the best beer cultures in the United States. And I can attest to that now, having lived from New York to SF to LA, New York is always yeah. a standout. But uh, the food scene there, the food game is as strong as anywhere. So tell us about what you like to pair. What kind of food do you like to pair with lager beer? Oh, pair some spicy food with it. <laughs> 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 Gotta get some spicy food. Uh, you know, tacos, Indian food. I love Indian food. Um, yeah. You know, I take I take something take something spicy that's going to make you want to drink a couple of those lagers with it. You know, um, yeah, hundred hundred percent. That's my that's my jam. Uh, spicy food with lager beer that makes a lot of sense. Yep, yep. Uh, I'll, I'll 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 say Indian food. That's in my that's in my family. Yeah. My wife my wife's family. I'll take take my mother in law's biryani. You know, spicy. You know. Nice, nice spicy lamb and rice and a bunch of little condiments on the side and a couple beers and then Ooh. take a nap and then take a nap. It's dope. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us, tell us and tell us truthfully then, and th this doesn't have to be beer, but let's say it's your last meal. All right. The, mm. the firing squad is ready. You're at the gallows pole, whatever the case may be. It's your last meal, Tony. What do you eat? What do you drink? What do you Ooh. pair with your last meal? Barbecue, American barbecue. <laughs> I take all the meats. I want brisket. <laughs> I want brisket. I want pork. You can even throw some chicken in there. Uh, okay. No. <laughs> um, yeah, some barbecue. Um, uh, you know, cold beer and whiskey. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take two beverages um, because oh, I think. I think. I think you should. I think you should have some whiskey with some barbecue. You know, some. Bur bur bourbon on the rocks uh with uh with uh, which is a giant tray of barbecue that's the jam <laughs> vote that's that's my vote that's my vote i don't think you can go wrong with that no you heard it here all the all the meats plus all the meats plus whiskey <laughs> plus beer and whiskey <laughs> oh, yeah it's gonna take it all, all very very well deserved tony yeah um You've given us a lot, and I just want to ask for a, for a little bit more. Can you tell us what what do you have to say out there to to new beer drinkers and to regular beer drinkers alike? And then just to wrap this up, tell us how we follow you and how do we see what's next for Kings County Brewers Collective? Oh, what do I say to beer drinkers? Um, keep drinking beer. Keep supporting the beer industry. Try new things. You know, I think brewers are making new stuff all the time um you know pull, pull your pull your friends who aren't necessarily beer drinkers maybe they're cocktail drinkers or wine drinkers or something pull them into beer you know show them something that they might connect with you know um and don't and don't just you know always show something typical in front of them you know i know there's a you know, know there's a podcast about lager but you know we sell so much different beer and there's so many gateways to people through different beer styles you know uh you know fruited sours and imperial stouts and ipas you know so you know i think you know keep people in it it's uh you know there, there's a lot of distraction in the alcohol industry there's a lot of great stuff out there and you know 
was saying like i you know i love whiskey i love good wine you know and i think that's you know a lot of what craft beer drinkers do is they do drink a lot of other stuff so you know bring your friends in bring them to your local brewery teach teach them, teach them what it's all about i think you bring them to a brewery tap room and they'll see they'll see what's different um about craft beer you know so Excellent. um and uh yeah you can find you know kcbc we're you know uh follow us on all socials at, at kcbc beer um on instagram and facebook um our website's kcbcbeer.com um we're always out on the east coast doing all kinds of stuff check out our beers um you know if you're in the south you can find us in florida sometimes i was, was down in miami last weekend uh at uh the jay wakefield uh, wake fest pouring beer You'll see us in Southern California and LA. We send beer out there sometimes. Um, sometimes you'll see us dabbling in uh, Illinois and Iowa, you know, so, you know, we're all around, you know, so um, if you see KCBC, check us out. We got something for you. Most excellent. I was tempted to say most metal, Tony, but I will leave it there. Most excellent, my friend. That's all right. That's all right. We can do most metal. <laughs> well, thank you, Tony Bellis. Thank you. Thank you. It was good oh, talking to you, Always. Thank you, Kings County Brewers Collective. Thank you to our producers, Jeremy Batchelor, Derek Ingber, and Tom Starkweather. If you like what you're hearing, follow and subscribe to No Life Till Lager. Help us hit the road and make a better kind of beer show. Until we get there, I will say good night and good lager. Cheers and thank you, Tony. Cheers. No Life Till